Blog Talk Radio. Diva Talk Radio! <laughs> Are you ready? Because I'm ready to welcome you to Divabetic's brand new podcast, Thursday for Trash. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I'm excited. I'm excited. I am excited. And not just because <laughs> Legend Richard Simmons responded to one of my tweets earlier this week. I'm excited because tonight we're playing my favorite food game, Serve, Taste, or Trash, on the radio. I have had such a great time playing this game across the country, uh, from L.A. to New York, in the video format, which you can see on YouTube, that I decided to transform it into a podcast for you tonight, and I invited some very special friends to join me for this culinary adventure. Now, before we get started, I just want to explain the premise of this show and the game Serve, Taste, or Trash. Actually, for years, when I started Divabetic, I was totally against covering food as a topic at our outreach events because, frankly, I thought food was just something that had been overkilled in every lecture I went to. And then it hit me one day that most of these traditional lectures were talking to us about food, but they weren't letting anyone talk back. So the idea of serve, taste, or trash is for people to be able to express what foods they love as well as express what the love they feel for the foods they hate. So in this game, you can tell us what you love, you can tell us what you hate, and what happens when you trash a food more times than not is the food that you might choose to trash might be the food that one of my guests, like Ginger or Craig or Aida Romaine, truly mm-hmm. treasures. And that's an opportunity for you to try a new food. So tonight we're aiming to become better eaters, more open-minded eaters, and by expressing how we feel about some of our favorite fruits and vegetables. So sit back, relax, and get ready to go from farm to fabulous, because tonight we'll be talking about emotional eating and diabetes, the hot, hot, hot food trend called gluten-free, as well as sharing three fantastic recipes from Chef Robert Lewis, the happy diabetic. Plus, you might want to fasten your seatbelts because she's back, that's right, the queen of the salad bar herself, Miss Aida Romaine, is returning to the Diabetic stage tonight. Now, I'd like to welcome my first guest, author, wellness coach, and one of the Spice Girls I like to say, Ginger Vieira. Hello, Ginger. (laughs) Hi, Max. It's great to have you on the show. You know, you were a guest on our November Diabetes Roundtable show, and everyone loved you. I just had to have you back tonight because I really wanted to take some time to talk about your newest book, which I just, you know, I I treasure. It's called Emotional Eating and Diabetes. But before we talk about the book, Ginger, I just want you to tell our listeners a little bit about your experience living with diabetes. I have lived with type 1 diabetes and celiac disease since I was about 13 years old, back in 1999. And since then, I have competed in powerlifting and set many records. I'm also a personal trainer, an Ashtanga yoga instructor, and a certified cognitive coach. And that's led to the development of two books. Um, And, yeah, that's my diabetes story in a nutshell. 
Well, you know, I consider you to be like one of those Amazons of the diabetes community because you're type 1, you're managing it, you're so self-assured, you have that self-confidence, and you're also teaching it. But for a lot of our listeners, especially the newly diagnosed, the whole concept of diabetes could be really overwhelming. And a lot of it, unfortunately, might have to do with their emotional relationship to food. So what inspired you to create this book and to dive so heavily into this topic, which I frankly don't think has been covered enough up to date? The real reason I wrote it was because throughout all of my personal training experience and coaching experience, everybody seems to think that they're bad if they eat something that tastes really good and that their diet is ruined if they have a treat or they can't ever lose weight if they're not perfect. And those kinds of mentalities just make it impossible to meet your weight loss goals, to have a healthy relationship with food, and to just actually enjoy food. It just takes all the fun out of food. And there's, you know, everybody from doctors to your parents continues to say, don't eat this and don't eat that, and it doesn't have to be that way. So that's why I wrote the book, is to help you find freedom and enjoyment in food again. And I love it. But, you know, one of the things I really love is you kind of really dive into this idea of kind of over-treating a low or almost using a low blood sugar as kind of just what you said, you know, you let go of the diet police and you kind of jump into the cheesecake and, you know, you just kind of eat your way out of it. And I really thought you had some really wonderful practical advice in the book that I would love for you to share with the listeners tonight. Yeah, I mean, the main thing that ends up happening in life with diabetes is that we are we feel so guilty for eating something good like cheesecake or ice cream on a normal basis, so we use low blood sugars as an opportunity to binge on that food. And the real, I believe, the real point is that we can include cheesecake and ice cream in moderation in our diet and make room for it and use foods that are purely like medicine to us. For treating a low blood sugar. So I love ice cream, for example, but I would never use ice cream to treat a low because I'm not going to enjoy it if I'm low. So I eat ice cream at the end of the night when I blind blood sugar is stable and I can count the carbs and I can enjoy it. And then if I'm low, I'm going to have something boring like orange juice. And it really changes how you act around food during lows, and it can really make a big difference in terms of reaching your weight loss goals because binging during low blood sugar can throw everything off track. Well, and again, I think that is so critical because I think that kind of binging, just what you said about it, it could lead to weight gain, it could lead to a roller coaster where the number goes so high and then it rebounds and then your mood is just awful, your energy level is so low. And if people yeah. listening right now just kind of focus on how they're treating that low blood sugar and really read your book, Emotional Eating with Diabetes, which I know is available on Amazon, plus you have a fabulous website, which we will mention in a minute. If you read this chapter in this book, I think it really could open up the door to new possibilities about how you could live with diabetes and how I know both Ginger and I think people could be rock stars with diabetes and just do anything you want and live out your dreams. It can't stop you from being that full-fledged diabetic, like we like to say. Now, in the book, you're also, um, you know, you're just what you said earlier, you ate ice cream. You're also sharing stories from a lot of other people who have type 1 and type 2 diabetes who are showing that they're not perfect either, but they've been able to overcome that and really get their care under, you know, really be able to translate into that better care. Can you share just one of those stories of someone that you had um, share a testimony on your book? Yeah, one of my favorites is from my friend Ann Bartlett, who's lived with type 1 diabetes for over 40 years. 
And she talked about how she really was using food as a way to get to know herself. And so when she was younger, she was really strict. She was on all these different diets. And as she's gotten older and really gotten to know who she is, she really has come to a much more relaxed relationship with food where she can enjoy a mocha latte and it's not a big deal. And um, I want to talk now, changing subjects a little bit, about you living with celiac, because we're going to get ready to bring in some more guests. But first, tell everyone, what is celiac, and was it related to your diabetes? Celiac is common in people with diabetes. When I was diagnosed, it was about 10% of people with type 1 would develop celiac. So celiac is a gluten intolerance, not to be confused with a gluten allergy. It's a little different. And it basically means that your small intestine does not like having gluten in it, and it, cre- it responds in a variety of symptoms. And everybody's really different, so the symptoms can really vary. Um, but I was diagnosed a year after I developed type 1 diabetes. I probably had celiac at the same time, but they didn't test me for it. And when I was in college and high school, I definitely cheated every now and then because I have what's called silent celiac, where I don't really have the really bad symptoms like a lot of people get, like stomach cramping or diarrhea or dizziness. I don't get any of that. I just get a little headache the next day. So I used to cheat quite a bit when I was in college, and then I really started to appreciate how I felt and my energy when I didn't have gluten, a really subtle difference. So now I really embrace a gluten-free diet. And, I mean, it seems like it's really easy to embrace it today versus 10 years. How long ago were you diagnosed with celiac Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was diagnosed in 1999. And if you bought food, you could only get, like, gluten-free crackers or cookies on a website. And then I remember the first time they came, my mom and I ordered a bunch, and they came, and they were, like, cardboard. They were horrible. And today there are so many options, and they're so much better, and they're so yummy. Um, and I I enjoy them in moderation every week, probably. Something good. All right. Well, that's a perfect cue to bring in our next guest, all the way from Los Angeles. It's Craig Aaron, the co-founder of <laughs> Eating for Life. Uh, tell us, I can't see the Eating, Eating for Life Foods, right? Cafe. Well, well you're close, Max. Uh, we're Earth, as in planet Earth, Earth Cafe Living Foods. There we go. And I know you make a sensational cheesecake, Ginger, which you might want to find out about after the yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting because, like Ginger's saying, like 10 years ago, everyone who – no one even knew this term gluten-free. And if you went oh, looking yeah. for gluten-free, I agree with Ginger. It was like cardboard. But today, I go to the shelves at Whole Foods in New York City, and everything yeah. is marked gluten-free. It's become like this yeah. hot food trend. And I'm just curious, like, what led you to get involved, and wh- why do you think it's just exploding? Well, you know, and it's interesting. Uh, we started our company uh, back in 2004, and uh, my very dear friend and co-founder, uh, Candy Tolentino, these were her recipes. And back in, Max, like 2002, thereabouts, uh, in L.A., and, and probably across the country, uh, the raw food movement was in its early stages, by and large. Um, and Candy is just an excellent raw food chef. And if you go to our website, you'll see all the foods there, and they're all raw foods. Well, long story short, I mentioned to her, oh, first part of 2004, thereabouts, that she should package her uh, cheesecakes and sell them. Well, again, we'll fast forward. 
uh, we made a presentation to Whole Foods in L.A. Uh, they liked them a lot, and suddenly our cheesecakes were in the marketplace. Over time, I mean, it certainly was not an overnight success story, but a lot, lot of hard work with some very dedicated people. We grew from those beginnings to now I think we're in maybe 41 or 42 states. Certainly, you know, there in New York, I'm, I'm, I'm proud and pleased to say. And um, So, you know, this is like the little engine that could. But the interesting thing, Max, and, and, and the premise, I mean, this is not about Earth Cafe, but I remember very, very distinctly 2004 and five. Uh, but we were doing demos in stores, uh, of which I, I never did particularly well. I think people who do demos, kudos to them. They, they do a great job. I'm just I'm not a, a great demo person necessarily. But what really stood out, nobody, nobody understood what gluten was. We could say we were dairy-free, and we'd go to gluten-free, it'd be what? And for the bonus round, we'd say we're raw and vegan. And somewhere between raw and vegan, we'd almost like lose them every time. And so we say for the longest time that we were just dairy-free and wheat-free. Those are kind of the popular things then. And so we would explain to people about gluten and this and that, and they just nobody cared. And then over time, it became public enemy number one. Um, maybe people became more educated. You know, I'm, you know, it certainly was there, but just nobody had really given it much of a face. And it's kind of funny that our stores, even though, you know, they knew we were gluten, they'd say, oh, by the way, we're getting all these people asking for gluten-free products. Are your cheesecakes gluten-free? And we'd say, yeah, they they, they are. They're all, thank God, you're going to just come out with and be Wait a second, because I love this concept of cheesecake. But I have to ask you, Jim, you're like, cheesecake, I mean, gluten-free sounds like a license to overeat, which we were just talking about in the earlier segment. So, I mean, just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean it doesn't. it's not high in calorie. It doesn't have fat content and other things. I mean, are you indulging in these products, or what, how do you kind of uh, navigate through the food aisles of the gluten-free uh, craze going on? Gluten-free cheesecake is still cheesecake. It's a delicious treat, and it should be enjoyed in moderation. I find it hilarious when people who uh, don't have celiac disease, if they hear that cookies are gluten-free, they say, oh, great, and they have one. But then if you bring in cookies, uh, this has happened at my boyfriend's office, if you bring in cookies that have gluten, they're like, oh, no, I'm on a diet. It's gluten still means calories. Gluten-free, sorry, still means calories. It's just a different kind of ingredient that's made up the dessert. Absolutely, but, I mean, you did point to something interesting, uh, Craig. I mean, you guys are so behind uh, having pure ingredients. You said it was vegan. It's raw. A lot of people right now, I want to be honest, are thinking when you say raw, like raw cookie dough. That's not what you mean by raw. Oh, can you just explain, I know. Can you explain that t- that term for us? Uh, and that that's one that, you know, still people get curious about, saying, well, what do we cook your cheesecakes at? And um, it's a raw food. Our, our, our cheesecakes are all nut-based. And so if a person has an allergen towards nut, uh, we would certainly not be the, the dessert of choice. I mean, just basically uh, imagine a, a couple of, uh, let's say, a handful of nuts and your fruit of choice. And uh, with the, the, the magic of our kitchen folks, you know, we, we put that into a, a cheesecake. But um, and, and there's a couple of different schools of thought, Max, um, and, it, and from the standpoint of foods treated at a temperature or cooked or heated at a temperature of 108 degrees to a range of 116 degrees, if you're over, let's say, the 116 threshold, 
essentially you have killed your food from the standpoint of the enzymes. And the, the whole raw movement was about the enzymes still in the food and trying to eat it as such. And I'm giving you kind of broad terms, if you will, but eating it kind of in its natural state. Uh, and that's being, you know, again, kind of in, in, in a broad brush. And once again, so that's, that's not cookie dough. Okay, no, I, I get it. And we'll definitely blog about this tomorrow, which is great. But I can't imagine, Craig or Ginger, how someone in the turn of the century would react to hearing the word vegan, gluten-free, or raw. But apparently mm-hmm. on Downton Abbey, the food is sensational because my newest guest who's joining the program is Chef Robert Lewis, the happy diabetic who shares a, a passion for Downton Abbey so much that he's written a cookbook which we've been posting all over the Internet. So please welcome to the chef, uh, to the show, Chef Robert Lewis, the happy diabetic. Hi, Hello. Chef Robert. Hello, Max. How are you? Good. I know you've been listening in on this gluten-free uh, craze that's going on. You're not only a professional chef, you're also living with diabetes, and you're a happy diabetic. So what do you have, what do you want to say about gluten-free and people who are home cooks at home? You know, gluten-free is great for people who require no gluten in their diet. And so many foods are gluten-free. For example, I make a shrimp scampi dish with fresh tomatoes and feta cheese and garlic and basil. I mean, that's a perfect example of a gluten-free dish that you may not think is gluten-free. And so many foods are gluten-free um, that most people don't really think about, and that's what I find to be curious. People always ask me all the time, oh, do you have any great gluten-free recipes? Well, you know, I am not um, gluten intolerant, but a lot of my recipes are because I cook with a lot of vegetables, lean proteins, and beans and things like that, which are just gluten-free as is. So I think the whole gluten-free movement is awesome because it's giving people some hope and it's giving you know people that need that kind of you know diet help some real relief. Well, the truth is gluten-free does sound a little tricky, which means it's time to test someone's dude IQ and welcome for the very first time my first contestant. On serve, taste, or trash. I need a drumroll. That's right, everybody. I went to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to find this delicious diva. Please welcome to the show, Carol. One. Carol? Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for playing the drums on that. I appreciate it. You did a great job. <laughs> Uh, Carol, you're living with type 2 diabetes. You live from you live in Philadelphia. You've attended a million diabetic club meetings as well as events. And you've also played Serve, Taste, or Trash in the video format. Tell everyone a little bit about your relationship with food and living with diabetes. Did anything Ginger expressed earlier kind of pique your interest, or um, how do you feel about that? Um, well, she did um, on two points about uh Overindulging on a low, which, uh, you know, binging is a problem for me when I'm having a low and I'm having lows more frequently in the middle of the night. And, um, yeah, it's confusing to know what foods to, to eat to get the sugar up and if it's enough. And the other thing she said was, um, uh, the relationship with food because, um, I think about food 24 hours a day. And 
you know, it's 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 important to have a positive relationship and um, to work it positively in my life. And sometimes that's hard to do. Well, and the rumor has it you're pretty good in the in the kitchen. In fact, Chef Robert, Carol loves using that double boiler steamer, don't you, Carol? I love it. Is that one of your best friends in the kitchen? A, a double steamer, and uh, you can't mess up a meal. I always used to get uh, turkey breast from the Amish market with the fresh green green beans, and the kids loved them. Sounds great. And I it know. Was, it, it, sounds, was, it actually sounds delicious, so I think that's my cue to bring in my favorite superstar, She's coming back. She's been missing in action for several years. She's been touring all over the country. No, no, no. There she is, the queen of the salad bar herself, Miss Aisha from Maine. Hello, darlings. Hello, hello out there in radio land. Oh, it's so good to be back here with you again, Max. Thank you so much. And I just want to say I eat whole, fresh, natural, bright, and beautiful foods. That's why I am so delicious. So first let me say hello. I want to say hello to everybody. Hello, Ginger. How's my favorite spice, girl? (laughs) I'm doing great. Great. I was in London, you know, recently for the Olympics. Oh, it was so fabulous. House salads everywhere. And uh, Craig, Craig, hello, darling, yeah. Craig, yeah. hello, I love a man who loves being raw as much as I do, <laughs> hello, darling, and little hello. Carol, my sweet little peach, oh, so happy that you're here to join us, and Chef Robert, yes, and Chef Robert, you handsome devil, I can tell you're really handsome, because you melt me wildly with your voice, darling, <laughs> can't wait, oh, can't God, wait for I your recipes. I am so glad you could join us, but the Thank heat you, is coming on over here in this green room. Um, I'm relieved this is on a ra- that we are on a radio show for you tonight because you don't have to put up with all that those cameras. I hate to grill you, but I have to right, I, I've heard a lot of rumors. What's going on with you in Hollywood? Oh, darling, the paparazzi won't leave me alone. Everywhere I go, they turn up here, they turn up there, and they turn up everywhere. I'm such well, so a demand. It, so it must be true, then. Are you really having an affair with you, Jackson? <gasps> I eat a romaine's produce bags are sealed. But I, I, I will say, just to squash any rumors... A certain someone said, uh, I won't say you, I, I mean who, texted me that until he holds my luscious broccoli rob, they just say he'll be lace miserable. <laughs> I know, I just wilt. I just wilt when I think of you. Oh, it's so good to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. We are having fun. <laughs> yes, darling. I can't wait to play the game. It's been too long, Aida. It's great to have you back, and I would love for you to reveal to Carol and our listeners what our three serve, taste, or trash game mystery foods are tonight, and I'll give you... Ooh la la. What are they, darling? (laughs) All right, I'll do it. This is Aida Romaine for my Garden of Earthly Delights, and tonight we have... 
marvelous mushrooms. Yes. <laughs> and then joyous hickama. <laughs> and absolutely fabulous apricots. Oh la la. <laughs> Chef Robert. I'm here. I'm, hang, I'm hanging on the vine with anticipation for your culinary <laughs> creations, darling. All right. So, Carol, you heard the three items in the mystery bag tonight from Ida Romaine are mushrooms, hickaba, and apricots. Which one are you going to serve? I'm going to serve the mushrooms because I love mushrooms, and I love the mushroom recipe you put online. <laughs> Beautiful. And which one are you going to taste? Um, apricots. I always thought uh, apricots are just so delicate and pretty, and they're just wonderful. And which one are you going to trash? The hickory? Hickama? Hickama? Hickama! Hickama. I don't know what it is. Hickama! I love hickama, but I... I don't think I'm the person who's skilled enough to get you to change your taste. Jeff Robert Lewis, I know where he set you loose in the kitchen a little bit earlier. Uh, do you have any recipes that you think might be able to sway Carol's opinions tonight? Oh, Max, absolutely. Listen, this jicama recipe is all about the love. Now, jicama is also known as the Mexican yam. It's kind of like a turnip, but what you do with it is you peel it, and what I'm going to do is shred it. Now, listen, I've got the coffee pot on. I've maybe got a couple poached eggs cooking. And in the meantime, I'm going to add some monounsaturated fat canola oil, a tablespoon, some fresh sweet onion, about half an onion to an onion, and three cups of peeled and grated jicama, and a little salt and a little pepper. And I'm going to make a delicious jicama hash brown dish of love. So imagine traditional hash browns in the morning, but with jicama, cooking in the pan with onions, canola oil, salt and pepper. This recipe is all about the love. And what is, what is the name of that recipe? It was jicama hash browns of love. All right, now your second recipe, Chef Robert. Okay, this was my um, chicken my Orientals, my Asian chicken saute. And this one is extra virgin olive oil, garlic, Roma tomatoes, mushrooms, diced portobellos. Love those, nice and steaky. And I'm going to mix it with all my favorite fresh vegetables. Red pepper, green pepper, a little white wine, two teaspoons of soy sauce, and fresh herbs like oregano, basil, chopped garlic, and I love garbanzo beans because there's lots of great protein and high fiber in the beans. Some very lean, skinless, boneless chicken breast, some pitted black olives, chopped parsley, and some fresh lime. Carol, how does that sound? Because you are a mushroom lover to begin with. Do you like that re- the sound of that recipe? That sounds, that sounds terrific, Max. And that recipe <laughs> you can make in about 10 minutes, quick and fast mm. and super delicious. And do you okay. use portobello mushrooms, Carol? Yes. Um, I One of my favorite recipes includes a portobello mushroom. 
All right, so let's hold on in here. Let's hear Chef Robert's third recipe. Okay, this is one of my favorites. Because when you combine fruit and meat, it's amazing. So what I've done is I've taken a couple pork chops and a couple um and about a cup of whole dried apricots, some sliced onions, olive oil, garlic, rosemary, and fresh pepper. And I'm just gonna saute the pork chops till they're nice and caramelized. I'm gonna add a little bit of olive oil to that while I saute it with some garlic, some onions, put it on low heat until the onions are nice and caramelized. Then I'm gonna add the apricots and I'm gonna spoon the onion mixture on top of the pork along with the apricots. Cover it in the oven for about, oh, 20 minutes, about 165 degrees, and here's what you have. Caramelized onions, tender apricots, all melding with beautiful, delicious pork chops. And, Ginger, you go up on Facebook all the time with your recipes. So what do you think of these jicama hash browns, the apricots and pork chops, and Chef Robert Lewis's Asian chicken with mushrooms? Oh, my gosh, they sound amazing. I would have never thought to put jicama in an omelet and hash browns. That's incredible. Listen, mm-hmm. it's all about the love. Oh. Hey, Craig, you're from, Craig, you're from Los Angeles. Everyone there is so body conscious, always trying to eat the the raw food, I guess you were saying tonight. I'm only joking. But everyone's so health conscious. What do, you, do you like to eat jicama a lot? Do I? Yes, of course. I love it. And what do you think about trying it in a hash brown? Would it convince you to do that tonight? Well, absolutely. absolutely. I just tried to keep up and make notes, yes. <laughs> well, we're going to be posting all these recipes on our Diva Better blog. I should tell everyone right now. Later tomorrow. Well, you know, and I remember that when well, I couldn't keep up with Robert, so I'm glad I'm going to have to make some notes for later. I think I'm a little excited. And we should tell everyone, Chef Robert, before we ask Carol the interesting question here, we should tell everyone, if they really, if people really want to see you cook, they can, because you're going to be cooking. Uh, you have a whole new video series called Cooking Across Iowa, where you go to different, wow. you talk to different people, and you help them kind of revamp one of their traditional dishes, right? That's correct. We're all about touring, really, Iowa and the country, finding interesting people and places, and meeting the farmer and meeting the interesting home cook. And we're going right into their kitchens and teaching them how to eat healthy and um, eat really great. And, Carol, I let uh, Chef Robert give us a little segue so you can have a minute to digest all three recipes. Because now you're going to have to tell me which one of these foods you now serve, taste, or trash. But I have a new challenge for you tonight because you're the guest on my very first show. Ooh, la, la. <laughs> That's how much I love you, Carol. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm challenging your food IQ. I want you to trash the one recipe in Ginger's honor that is not gluten-free. So you heard the three recipes. Again, we have the jicama hash brown, the Asian chicken with mushrooms, and the glazed apricots with pork chops. So now tell me which one you would serve, which one you would taste, and then finally, the one you would trash would be the one you feel is not gluten-free. Which one are you going to serve? I'm going to serve the, the mushroom. No, we can't uh, get you off the mushrooms, huh? You love those mushrooms. 
Yes, with the chicken, right? Yeah. Okay. And which and one are you going to taste? I'm going to taste the apricot with the pork chops. And I think the gluten. And finally, which one are you going to trash? The the third one. Uh, the hickama hash browns is the one you yes, think is the hash brown. All right, hold on. Ginger Vieira, you've been living with celiac disease so glamorously for so many years. Which one do you think is gluten-free? I mean, it's uh, not gluten-free. It's not gluten-free? Maybe I missed yes. an ingredient, but I thought that the one with the apricot at the end had gluten in it. Okay. And Craig? I'm going to turn I'm going to pick that one, too. And Aida Romaine. Oh, darling. Everything sounded so delicious. I don't know what to pick. I could eat it all. But I'm going to say I will trash the jicama. The jicama? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Just because I don't like Jays. That's a divided audience right there, Chef Robert Lewis. Before you go, let me give you a drum roll. Carol, can you give him a drum roll? There you go. Okay, right. Chef Robert Lewis. Did anyone get this right? They did not. And, Matt, Ooh. it was a little tricky. And, and here's my take. The jicama hash browns, there's no wheat in that. There's no wow. wheat products in that. Totally gluten-free. But the one item that I did suggest in the um, Asian chicken stir-fry was soy sauce. That's what I was thinking. And soy sauce many times contains gluten. Oh. Sneaky. I knew that. I knew that. Because the apricot dish of love, that one's totally gluten-free. That's just a really great dish. But you can buy gluten-free soy sauce. So I would suggest... That's what you look out for. See, it's pretty sneaky, actually. <laughs> it is sneaky. Ginger, is it is it hard to navigate a rest a menu at a restaurant because of that? It really only comes up at Japanese restaurants. You know, soy sauce isn't uh, often served on tables and things. But if it's in a recipe of a different Asian, like you know, a soup, you never know if there's soy sauce in it. So you have to be really picky when you order. Do, do they come if you if you go to someone at a restaurant a waiter and ask them what's gluten free if it's not already marked do you feel very confident in their responses? If it was something that might have soy sauce in it, I actually would be I would say specifically I know you think it's gluten free, but does it have soy sauce in it? Because it's such a subtle ingredient and it's so easy to forget that somebody might just assume it's gluten free. I I forgot today. And and Craig, I mean, you're so engaged in the vegan, raw, and gluten-free markets. Do you do you ever foresee a time when restaurants, uh, you know, the nationwide fast food restaurants, are really going to be start marking menus with gluten-free to avoid? Oh, absolutely. They'll have no choice, Max. Absolutely. We're seeing we're seeing modest here in Southern California, but you know, as as gluten-free became popular. Now, several years ago, there's not going to be much choice. So, to answer your question, absolutely. 
I agree totally. Carol, I think the consumer is going to demand I, it. Have you ever thought, Carol, yes. that you might have some celiac? Have you ever tested for celiac disease? Did you know it was associated with diabetes? No, I, I never heard that, and I was never asked about it or my family history. That's interesting. Hmm. So you've never have you ever um, you've never really explored any kind of gluten free products then? No. It's a really foreign to me. Well, and Chef hmm. Robert, you've been cooking for years as a professional chef. You've also you not only do you serve people living with diabetes exceptional food, but your food is delicious for people who are not living with diabetes. Do you really see this trend kind of enveloping the food network and the culinary, you know, hot topics of America and just going forward more and more uh, in the coming years? Oh, I absolutely do. I think it's going to be consumer-driven, and I think um, I'm seeing it in my local supermarkets. The gluten-free aisles are just exploding with so many really great choices that, listen, it's very freeing for people that that have to eat gluten-free. And I want to ask you because it was a it was a really intriguing idea to combine combine fruit with the pork chop. I just I think that's so creative. I mean, do you think most home cooks just don't even think about making those partners and I mean partnering a fruit with uh, a protein like that? And tell everyone where they could get your cookbook. Well, you can get my cookbooks at my website, happydiabetic.com. Um, but, yeah, Max, I think fruit and some meats are really great together. You know, apples and pork chops, apricots and pork chops. I mean, those natural sweetness of those fruits just bring out great flavors in all kinds of food without yeah, adding any additional sugar. Using, and also, I assume that you don't have to – you could be using slightly bruised fruit for that kind of thing. If you, you know, people – Love to have fruit that looks amazing on the table, and then if it gets a little bit of a bruise or starts to turn brown, they throw it out. But really, they could probably kind of put it right into one of their entrees, right? Absolutely. You bet. Or into a muffin or into into many things. And how do you advise people, like, during the winter right now, when so many fruits that we love in the summer are scarce or they're so expensive, how do you – what do you like to tell people to add more green to their menu? Well, you know what? If you're having trouble, especially here in, in the Midwest where it's cold and wintry and sometimes your selection of fresh vegetables are not great, I'm going to lean people to the frozen food aisle because those vegetables are picked, flash frozen, they're super delicious, great nutrients, and are very good. So don't be afraid of eating frozen vegetables. They are really, really great and have lots of nutritional properties to it. So don't shy away from the frozen vegetables. They really are amazing. Chef Robert, Robert, you and I are going to be in Tucson, Arizona. We are. Working together on the taking control of your diabetes conference and health fair on uh, February 23rd, I believe. It's the Saturday, one of the last Saturdays in February. That's correct. We're going to be bringing some thunder there. Tell everyone a little bit about the conference who hasn't experienced it. Well, it it is just amazing. It, It is a community of people searching for answers to their diabetic concerns. And what is awesome about taking control of your diabetes is in this one-day seminar, the best, the brightest experts in the nation are assembled to meet and greet people where they live and talk about their disease personally, one-on-one, and are available to answer questions. I do a keynote and a cooking demonstration 
Max, you're there bringing some thunder and some enthusiasm and some hope for people. And really, it's a moment to change the lives of people who really are feeling hopeless about their disease. And it's a really make a difference in someone's life day, absolutely. If you're in a city where there is a Take Control of Your Diabetes conference, check it out. TCOID.org is their website. Um, it's amazing. It's life-changing. All right, and another person making a huge difference in the diabetes community, and I have so much respect for her, Ginger Vieira. Tell everyone again, you not only have you written an amazing book, Emotional Eating and Diabetes, you also have a set, another book. Uh, tell everyone about both books, where they can go. You also write for Diabetes Daily. Tell us where we can find out more about the fabulous Ginger Vieira. My first book is called Your Diabetes Science Experiment, and it's all about how to understand how your weight fluctuates and how that impacts your insulin doses, how your insulin doses can change in terms of your correction factor or your insulin-to-carb ratio or how to balance your blood sugar around exercise. And both my books, Emotional Eating with Diabetes and Your Diabetes Science Experiment, can be found on Amazon in Kindle or paperback. And you'll find more of my writing in uh, at DiabetesDaily.com, at InsulinNation.com, um, and in the next Diabetes Forecast magazine. It's a great article coming out about George Simmons and how he's faced his diabetic neuropathy diagnosis and how he's um, basically used that diagnosis to inspire himself to take better care of his blood sugars. Right. And Aida Romaine, you invite the parents to kind of kick off a whole new tour of salivars across the country. Do you have anything you want to share before we close? Well, I just have to say I'm so incredibly inspired by this panel of brilliant, brilliant authors and chefs and just the, the consistent beauty of food, the beautiful glamour of food, and to just enjoy it, healthy, loving, beautiful foods. And um, just a little thing is that to try to eat more fresh fruit, you know, instead of that um, juices so much, I'm thinking, you know, the fresh fruit with all of its delicious fiber and deliciousness. That's what I want to say. I love that. So don't squeeze the fruit. Don't put it in a bottle, right? Is that what you're kind of getting at? Yes, yes, because it's got that awfully dreadful high fructose corn syrup when you go grab the juice. How about grabbing a delicious apple or pear or a beautiful orange? They're so gorgeous, and they're just dying to be eaten. And I love you all so much. This is such a beautiful, I'm so touched to be a part of this. Thank you so, so much. And Carol, for playing along tonight on Third Taste of Trash. And helping this journey from farm to fabulous, you're going to receive a copy of Ginger Vieira's book, Emotional Eating and Diabetes, along with one of Chef Robert's cookbooks. Oh, that's Yay! great. And oh, I'm so excited Finally, and you can see me in the upcoming. Company. I'm and sorry. You see, and you, I'm performing too in the appearance of the upcoming production of Phantom of the Okra. So <laughs> oh, Craig, maybe you and I could go with a pie to throw that night. How's that? I'll get you tickets. Craig, you tell everyone again where they can find out more back. about Earth Cafe. Tell everyone where they can find out more about your delicious yeah, I think the easiest would be our website, which is Earth Cafe To Go. It's T O 
com, and we have a store locator, and they're pretty user-friendly to find, uh, hopefully, a store uh, near where you live. Awesome. Great job, everybody. Hey, this is Mr. Diva Bedick. I want to remind you that coming up on February 12th is another episode of Diabetes Roundtable, and it's our special live from the red carpet. We're saluting Sally Field. I'm thinking about the Glam More Fearless Fashion Squad. We're going to be talking about how women living with diabetes can not only live out their dreams, they could turn heads on the red carpet as well as manage their care like their favorite divas. Plus, I've got my favorite segments coming up, Dining Out with a Dietitian, Sexy Little Numbers, and a whole new diabetes numerology game you won't want to miss. Now, take a minute and join us on DivaBetic's Facebook fan and group pages and check out all my videos on Mr. DivaBetic's YouTube channel. Let me just say in closing, every diva and every dude has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. Thank you for listening, and thank you all, my fabulous guests, for our first Thursday. Thank you, man.